0: Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura.
1: All oh, let's do it live on a Thursday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily. I am merely Bo. He is the great Z. How are you living today, buddy? doing fine
2: masters is underway it is that's always fun to see i had it, it took me a while to figure out how to get around and navigate to actually find it but i found it on paramount plus and so now i'm so it's it there in. yeah paramount plus on paramount plus if you got that app you can watch it live
1: right now watch tiger just make a i'm watching a par I'm on, on espn 10. plus so they've they've farmed out a couple of different streams then for you to watch this fine good I mean yeah. I remember
2: when we you weren't able to watch the early portions of the early rounds at all.
1: Well, we're old enough. I mean, we're dating ourselves a little bit here. I, actually, let's start here. What is your first memory of There's there's a tie in that I that I think is makes it so unique across even all of sports. What is your first memory of Augusta? I feel like when you asked the
2: question, the first thing that popped into my mind was Jack Nicholas winning it and I want to say was that like 85? 86. 86 that would be the first yeah. thing that I remember.
1: I remember that's mine too. So we're okay. similar age and so that was that's the first time I remember seeing it as well. Unlike you I did not grow up playing golf or I mean honestly my dad we're not we're not he's not going to a country club. Like that's sure. not in the that's not in the brochure. So we're not doing that. We're not going to a golf course. I didn't even start playing until um really until my, my, my now wife and her dad loved it. So that's what kind of led me into starting to play it. Um, and and so that, but I would watch the Masters and it was something that would come on every year in April and I'd be into it almost inexplicably because it, it wasn't anything that I played or uh, really had access to, never even went to golf courses. Uh, we had an advanced PE class when I was in, in high school and that was like the first time that I'd ever actually been to a golf course once oh, and it was wow. just like hey this is a golf course this is what they're supposed to be um and yet i would watch this and i do think the thing that makes this so unique and so unto itself is that the production the look of it and you're right in our lifetime you didn't get to see the early rounds and even in our lifetime you didn't even get to see the front 9 yeah if you recall i mean that it, it used to just be the back 9 was the, that's yep. why amen corner and all of that it was a big deal when they said hey we're going to show the, the full course, and we're going to yep. show all the rounds. Like, no, you had a highlight show on Saturday, and you watched the back nine on Sunday, and that was it. Yeah. Um, so, but the fact that it is completely unchanged, unchanged, it's the same graphics. The course is different, and, and somebody like you would know that more than yeah, like somebody they added
2: thirty yards to thirteen yeah. to make it a uh, much more difficult to reach in two par five, made the drive much more difficult. Yeah, of course it's, but yeah, it looks the same. There is no rough. It's just beautiful no. immaculate grass, trees, pine straw, and away you go. Some water, some famous
1: creeks, rays. There you go. That's it. That's Augusta. The bunkers look the same. Yeah. It's not it's not even considered rough. It's called the second cut at Augusta. Yeah. So first cut, second cut. Um they don't even call it the back nine at Augusta. You can't call it that. Um the the trees look exactly the same. There are some that they've taken down, but it feels like when they take some down, it's as if they didn't. They just yep. replaced with ones that look just like them. I don't know how they do it. I don't know who their uh, who their uh, greenhouse is, but they're somehow able to just find trees that are fully formed and plant them. If something were to happen, they had that storm that took down some trees, and all of a sudden the next year you go and play and there's, you see it, and they look exactly the same. The pine straw—it's all the same. Yep. And they're they're even so much so that graphically it is the it's CBS graphics, but they're the Augusta CBS graphics. So I'm watching on ESPN Plus right now. And ESPN is using the CBS graphics because Augustine, that's what pyramid. you're using. Yep. They're not having it. Yep. Like, they're they're keeping it. You, you, you're going to – this is what the graphics – it's all going to look exactly the same. And I don't think that there is another example of that in sport where nostalgia plays such a role. It's almost like you're stepping into a time warp
2: every time yeah, you watch it. Yeah, which is so thing. cool about – yeah, which is part of the thing that's so cool about. John Rahm, by the way, after a double bogey on one, 33 on the front nine, three under
1: – after a was like double the first bogey year start. That was like the first year Tiger won it in ninety seven. Didn't he get off to a really bad start shot forty it? on the front nine? And as the the commentator
2: I was listening before we uh before I had to turn the volume off and and obviously do the show had said he shot a forty on the front nine and he won by a hundred, so let's all just relax. <laughs> and the guy's like, Well, I'd like I think we're gonna have to verify if he won by a hundred or not. The guy's like you get the point.
1: He dominated Yes, He dominated, he lapped the he absolutely yeah. lapped the field. Um yeah, it's, it is a time capsule. It the, the game has changed some. The guys hit it further. They've lengthened some holes. Um, but every other sport that we pay attention to, including the one that we spend the majority of our time talking about, the National Football League, the nostalgia can come and go. Uh, football is very much different, even the way that it's presented, the way that it's sold. It's consistently oh, yeah. evolved. It's changed. Um dramatically and nostalgia is still really powerful you see that anytime uh people get excited when you see a throwback uniform or i mean like when we wore the orange pants everyone were all excited about the orange pants when we unveiled the new old uniforms people were all excited because it, there was the nostalgia to it It look there's a reason you and i like anytime there's a uniform redesign we're like man creamsicles wear them wear those broncos with the blue hats like that's the power of nostalgia it's potent um but most sports don't have to or don't attempt to stay in the same spot the way this one does for good and bad. Yes,
2: and and I think that that's part of the charm of it, right? And there are obviously some things that are are not as progressive about Augusta, but sure, it, it's what's it's it's cool. The I was saying uh, earlier today, it's it's the one tournament that's the same every mm-hmm. single year. And while the U.S. Open is our national championship, it really feels to me like Augusta. Is the one like to me? The British Open, the Open, I should say, and Augusta are the two. There, those are my two favorite, and even at the British Open or the Open Championship, there's on the Rota. There's a rotation of courses. This is Augusta National. It's the only major championship played at the same course every single year, and it's awesome. It's awesome. It's so green, just incredible green.
1: You mentioned the 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 Open that, that well that that's that is the other. And while those courses change, they do all look similar. Yes. So it, I think there's, you know, there's when such it's the vali- open. yes, yeah. you know, you know that it's the open as soon as you turn it on, it looks different. Um, and I, I think that there is, while those courses are all very different and to the expert, eye would be maybe extraordinarily different. The look of them is all very similar from the fescue and the rough and the bunkers and all of that stuff that you uh-huh. can tell that they're, you're being played in, in great Britain, somewhere, Scotland's up, you know, you're playing played over there. So I, I think that's, part of it right is it's a there's a warm blanket of hey I've seen this a lot and there's power to it the other thing that I think is becoming pretty obvious uh this morning as I was watching and you think we had that conversation about greatness and the women's basketball ratings and all that earlier in the week it do feel like how many more of these with Tiger it it feels like it's arduous for him laborsome for him to get up and down the fairways when I saw him walk down two's fairway I just thought how many more times can he do this
2: yeah, for it's, it feels like one day is serious to me. It yeah. Is it's another thing to think about going, you know, four rounds. Just feels like yeah. that is going to be a a difficult difficult thing for him to do. Which is it, it's obviously sad, and
1: the sweat is pouring yeah. off of him, man. I mean, he's just pouring sweat, and it's yeah. a warm day, but he was he was pouring sweat the way nobody else really was. So. Um, I think sometimes we obviously know and remember very vividly everything that he's gone through. I think sometimes we forget that he almost had his leg amputated. Yes, <laughs> so it's like, in addition to all the other things, the back surgeries, all of it. he had that horrific car accident. What was that two years ago um wasn't so, that long ago? no, yeah, so it's you can tell like it's he's on his last. Uh, almost it feels like literal legs when it comes to this one. Um yeah. what do you think you'd shoot here?
2: <sighs> Under these conditions?
1: Yeah. So and you're a great amateur golfer, right? Scratch basically, right? Yeah.
2: Uh I I don't know. I mean, it's funny. They say that I was listening to um something with a couple of pros. Maybe it was maybe Justin Thomas. And he was saying that you know, on like our courses, you know, that we play, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, at at the local country club or a a local Muni all the way from the tips that you would be able not to hang with a pro, but that their advantage, the difference between a pro and you at your home course, and then the difference between a pro and you at a setup for a a major event like this is where they think that it is the widest. Like me getting no, even as a scratch, say, getting like 10 shots from a pro who's maybe a plus 10 or whatever, mm-hmm. plus eight, I have a chance at my home course and I have no chance here. So the feeling, like, I'd be, I think I'd probably be pretty pumped. You're talking ball into the hole, legit, yep. legit. Legit I playing. I think I'd be pretty pumped to shoot 90, honestly. Like, that's how hard it is. That's what I don't think people realize.
1: That's why I wanted to ask the question. Yeah. Because I yeah. think some people think, like, if you're scratched, that you should be able to shoot 80. 80, 84, 82, something like that. I mean, maybe, maybe I could be in
2: the 80s. I feel like I'll make some pars, but you're going to make so many more doubles than you're used to making. When you're at my handicap playing at, like, my course or a lot of the course I play at, I never make doubles. I mean, it right. is rare, rare, rare that I make a right. double. I'm going to make a ton of doubles here just because I'm not going to hit every green, and then, you know, I get a chip and a bat, so I'm going to three putt. Like, I'm just going to make a bunch of doubles. Now, I could par any hole. I could birdie in one of these holes. Mm-hmm. But... I'm going to make numbers that I'm not accustomed to making for sure.
1: Yeah. Victor Hovland, your leader, he's five under. John Rahm, as you mentioned, uh, the double off the start, but now is three under after going out in 33, uh, and he is starting his back nine. I think the other thing that people don't realize about this course, and you are able to see it better now because of the quality of television, but how hilly it is. Mm -hmm. Um, I've not been there. Uh, You've not been there either, right? No. Anybody I've talked to who has says the thing that is striking is how is the topography of the place?
2: Yep. The hill. It's I mean, massive ups and downs. Hook lies, slice lies the ball below your feet. Difficult, difficult stuff. And then, you know, you're off by a few feet. It's going to run forever in some direction. And I think that, yeah, that's that's the thing about it. Like at St. Andrews. That's the one place where I know that if, if I'm playing in the British Open, for example, that's the one course I know that I can go out there because I've done it, that I know I could go out there. There's nothing they can do to it that makes it any different, really, for a major. Yeah. Like, I know that So out you there, played
1: it from the tips.
2: That, that you were available – that were available to you. There were yeah. a few holes where there were tees because we played right for the women's British where you could see that there were other tee boxes. But, I mean, close to it, like, there's just – there isn't much more land on a lot of these holes. You know what I mean? Like, it's just – Right. That's just the way that it is. Like, I know there – I know I could shoot in the 70s if I played well, shoot in the 80s like because yeah. I, I, I've done it. So yeah. – but this is – I've never seen this place. I have no idea. It, it's one of those – that would be a lot of fun to see. I just think – I don't think people realize where they've put the T's on these courses for the pros how difficult it is how difficult now 13 is hitting through that shoot. And then not only that, you're hitting shots. You know, I play or, you know, somebody who's a decently long hitter. I'm not a long hitter like these guys. I'd be one of the shortest hitters on the tour. But you're used to hitting at your course a 450-yard hole. If you hit it, you know, two you're used to hitting a 9-iron a, a or a wedge into those holes. Mm-hmm. It's not like that there. Like you are going to be hitting so many long irons or hybrids into holes that you are used to hitting wedges into, yeah. which means your ability to control where it lands on the green, your ability to control where you are near the hole, all of those things, and your ability to just hit it straight consistently, is significantly different.
1: Yeah, and then factor in the fact that there is if you were actually in the tournament crowds and all of that, and the chipping all of great. it. Yeah. yeah, it's the nuts. short game stuff is crazy. I've played, um, I have, and I am terrible, but I have played Meerfield. Um, a couple of weeks, ten days, week before the Memorial Tournament. Yeah, and have to. They make you play in that in the media event. They make you play. I want to say all of the par. F- they switch it. Sometimes it's all the par threes. Sometimes it's all the par fours. Sometimes it's all the par fives. From you get to torties. play a certain number of holes from the tips. Yeah, and they kind of rotate it. And you just have what you notice playing at a place like that. And even I've played with. I played with Jack Nicholas, a few holes there. Jack Nicholas Jr. played with a lot of great, great players there. But if you don't hit fairways and greens, you have no chance at a place no. like that. Now that's not an issue here because you don't have rough uh, right. that you can't get out of. Um, but you have to be able to hit those targets. And if you if you can, or if you miss them, to your point, the difference between hitting a five iron and a nine iron is, or a hybrid, however you want to play it, um, is just a tremendous thing. It's yeah, immense. Tiger's not make it. Tiger's not going to make it,
2: man. No, he hit that way outright, and it's not looking good. You could tell that on number eleven yeah. there. But I'm like. The one thing I do well is strike the ball. I hit a lot of fairways and greens. So I think that that would help me, but still, I, I'm not under any illusions that I could go out there and even reasonably, like, yeah. uh, I would be last, dead last. Yeah. And I feel I'm comfortable with that.
1: It's funny to say that it's the course that is the least accessible, least touchable, and you're most familiar with because we've seen totally. it so much. Yeah. It's such an odd thing what it is. Uh, it is a mailbag Thursday edition of the program. Tweet your questions at. Nathan Zagura, use the hashtag #AskCBD at 2:30. Oh, they're tweeting him to me. Yeah, they're tweeting him to you. You're oh, on baby. it. You, you, you got it. And I mean, okay. I think this opens up a whole new list of possibilities. Yeah, bring it on. This, let's go. This going directly to you. I mean, it, he's got this at 2:30. Give does, but I mean, quite honestly, we could do this at 2:10 and just go 50 minutes of mailbag. I mean, if you guys want to,
2: you come up with good stuff. Let's do it. I'm happy to do it. I'm not. <laughs> you afraid get
1: that. You get that going there. Uh, from an NFL perspective, again, all quiet on the NFL front. I didn't see anything what, this morning that What do you mean? Did... Tim
2: Boyle just signed uh with the Jets who was with Aaron Rodgers with the Packers and is now so they're getting uh, closer. reunited with Hackett. Yeah.
1: Do you so, think it's what is which comes first, Rodgers or Lamar?
2: I either think Lamar's playing at this point I'm convinced Lamar's playing for the Ravens or not playing. So
1: that's where I am with him.
2: I I I don't know when that comes. To, I would have to think Aaron Rodgers would be the answer, but who the heck knows?
1: would any of those teams go into the draft wouldn't all of them want to know where they stood by the draft
2: i would you got i would think you would want to packers
1: jets ravens wouldn't yeah. you all want to know what you're doing before you go to the draft yeah i just keep you... coming back to that i mean we're 3 weeks from the draft no it's 2 2 weeks no it's the end of the end of the 3 weeks 3 weeks from the draft 3 yeah. weeks from today is the draft 3 weeks from tonight yeah yeah and you think about i mean to me like <sighs> Both of there's just too many. I can't speak to how smart you know the Jets are. The, the, historically, they haven't been. The Ravens have been very, very bright. I just doesn't seem to me like they're an organization that would go into the draft without knowing who their quarterback is.
2: Agreed. It just it feels like it makes it so darn difficult to know anything about what your team is supposed to be. That yeah. is the most important position in all professional sports, and it feels like it is the most important position, obviously, in, in the National Football League. Certainly. Uh, just, yeah, yeah. I think you've got to understand that you've got to know, and you've got to have a plan at that position. And I think that needs to be, you want that to be, uh, wrapped up as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah. And if you're the Packers, same thing, like you, you want to give us our assets now so that we can, so that we can operate it. Um, do you think there is, and I saw someone this morning kind of float this about with the Lamar stuff that, uh, a prospective team that would want to pursue him would want to wait till after the draft. So it wouldn't be this year's number one pick. That would be taken.
2: So, so that's possible, right? That's a po- that's a possibility uh, on the Lamar front,
1: but... I don't even know who that team would be.
2: It, it Again, it goes back to the things that we've been talking about a lot I know with it. him, and that is, yes, Lamar Jackson is a special quarterback. Yes, he is a special player, but given what his biggest asset is, which is his running and his ability to make plays out of structure the fact that we've seen him be injured two years in a row, the fact that we all know in the National Football League that is a declining asset for a quarterback, yeah. and that his, his liability is his ability to win from the pocket consistently, which, as we know, is not a declining asset in a quarterback, and, in fact, the most important asset a quarterback possesses to winning Super Bowls, that it feels like, yeah, I know he's way better than most quarterbacks, but I don't know that I can actually win a Super Bowl with him. And I think that's what you're seeing. And that can all be true. He can be one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the league, but also be somebody because of what makes him one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the league, somebody that you don't really look at as this is my ticket to the Super Bowl, especially in what I consider to be a real golden age of quarterback play, especially in the American Football Conference.
1: I also think the other part of that, and we've talked about this before, is NFL teams are no longer interested in being in the middle class or even the upper middle class. You either yep. want to be at the bottom and starting – that's why, I like, the Kyler situation is so interesting to me. Like, will they try to move him if there's value? Would they try to move him? Because the rest of their roster looks like they're trying to move him. Um, but you don't want to be in the middle. And yep. so you're either a team that you want to at least be able to convince yourself if things go your way you can win the Super Bowl, or you get rid of everybody and you start over. And you try to time it to when some of these other guys move on, you're in position to to make a run at it and get lucky at quarterback. I mean – the NFL middle class, as we used to know it, there are were, there were a lot of organizations in this league 10 years ago that were thrilled to go 10 and 6, win the division. I mean, the Bengals are the best example with Dalton. Totally Dalton, yep. The Dalton Bengals, that's the best example of it. I mean, they they were never going to win a Super Bowl with Andy Dalton, ever. Um, but they won the division a lot, they made the playoffs a lot, and that was fine. That was, that was what that organization was more than happy to be able to do. Um, I feel like there's less and less teams that are that are willing to do that now that there's it's either it's an all or nothing more approach.
2: Yeah, I think you're exactly right about that. I think that is that's the way I mean, look, you've got to get into the dance consistently to have a chance to win it. But I think you're right. The the notion that we're fine to go now 10 and seven every year and but and never win a playoff game now. I do think there are certain situations where you can do well with a quarterback that's not in the top 10. Now that would be the Kyle Shanahan situation, right? I mean, Jim Well, Garofales. that's the thing with
1: Lamar, isn't it? Is he's if he went to the NFC,
2: well he makes the playoffs for sure. Then he's a yep. playoff
1: team for sure. And then like, I don't the understand mix. why
2: I don't understand why a team like Atlanta Oh my goodness, did you see Shoffley almost drop that from over did, the yeah. bunker? How did that not go in?
1: I don't know. It's one it's more It's fine revolution. gravity.
2: Half a revolution. It really uh, is. That's crazy. I thought that was good for sure. Um, I, that's why I don't understand why these NFC teams don't want it. Because in the NFC, look, in the AFC, I just don't believe you're going through the gauntlet of quarterbacks you have to go through with you're Lamar Jackson as your quarterback. Because his game script has to be, I think, fairly specific, you know, on a consistent basis. Can he win a game where he comes from behind? Yes. We've seen it, I think, on a Monday night game a few years ago. I recall that. Uh, but for the most part, that's where you, you need a kind of a – particular game flow, I don't think that that is something that matters as much in the NFC because you get into the dance, you get in the Super Bowl, a ball here, a ball bounce there, a turnover here, like you can win a game, but to do it, have that happen four times like it would need to going through the AFC, I don't see it. In the NFC, maybe. I mean, there's really, you know, maybe. I mean, Jalen
1: Hurts just did it.
2: And I think Jalen Hurts showed last year that he is a better pocket passer than Lamar Jackson. He's also physically built differently, as we've talked about, with his ability to, you know, the squatting and all those things that he does. And then they also went out. They got him one of the premier veteran receivers in the league, a first-round wide receiver in Devontae Smith. They've got weapons. They They have a great offensive line. They run like, as Greg Cosell told me at the Combine, they only ran like five concepts. They just ran them really
1: well. That's why, like, if, if you put him on 49ers, they could win the Super Bowl. Yes. For yes. sure. Yep. I mean, that would be so dangerous. It would be terrifying, him playing with all those weapons in San Francisco.
2: I'm curious um, how that would ultimately work out with Kyle. Like, that would be, I think, something very fascinating to, to watch unfold. But, yes, I do think there would be a lot of danger there. And and he certainly can throw the ball more yes. than adequately. He can extend plays. One of the things that's difficult, I think, for him maybe in the Kyle offense is that it's not as much throwing to guys who are sitting down. When you look at Lamar, Lamar's very good throwing verticals, and he's very good at throwing to guys sitting down in zones. That's really what he's good. When you have to run, like, throwing the deep dig to a guy sprinting on that deep over, which is a staple of the Kyle offense, that's not necessarily where he throws the ball the best, the slants. That's not where he throws the ball the best. So it, it would be an interesting fit. But I don't know, ultimately, how well that would work out. I think, look, I think you put them on that team, they're the favorites to win the NFC. Yeah. I'll say that. Yeah, Get them to the Super Bowl, you got a chance to win there. But that's where, again, he's got to go to the AFC, NFC, I think. Has I just, to. I just think for, for him and for whatever team makes the big investment in him, it's got to be an NFC team. That's why I don't think the Patriots make any sense. I really don't think that the, the Colts make much sense. I don't know that it moves the needle for you in this conference right now. I really don't No,
1: I think the the Patriots play the reason I find that intriguing is just Belichick and his kind of force of power yep. on that situation. Um and, and him trying to, you know, find a way to be competitive right now when that's the onus that's been put on him by ownership. Um, because there's no path for them as as they currently are constructed with with Mac Jones. So um Going to be fascinating. It's been, it's been quiet on both of those fronts now for a little bit of while. As I mentioned, it's a mailbag Thursday. Tweet your questions to Z at Nathan Zagura. Use the hashtag AskCBD. We will get to those in the 2 o'clock hour. I believe Mike Clay is going to join us. His unit rankings are out. We will get yep. into that a little bit later on. We will continue our look around the NFL. Take a look at the Seattle Seahawks. who are picking 5th. In this year's draft, we have that to look forward to, which is very nice. Coming up next, Todd McShay. uh, Some thoughts specifically on this wide receiver class, some of the quarterbacks at the top. That's coming up next. We're off and running here. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland.
0: Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
1: All right, welcome back again to Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Bally Bet coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland and now ESPN NFL draft analyst Todd McShea, who had his fourth mock draft out this week, met with the media to take a look at some of the prospects. Let's have a listen. Generally speaking about the wide receiver class, you hear maybe it's not not the best year for wide receivers. What exactly
3: does that mean? Does it mean not as much high end talent, just maybe not as much much depth to the class? Uh, I heard it might be a good year for slot receivers, but maybe not outside guys. Could you just talk about Zay Flowers and then about the wide receiver class in general?
4: The wide receiver class, I mean, we've gotten spoiled in the last few years is, is really what's happened. You know, these wide receivers, you look back like the last three years, you've got three or four guys each year that that you already are looking at Pro Bowls or future Pro Bowlers, maybe some Hall of Famers. Like last year, Garrett Wilson wins Offensive Rookie of the Year, Drake London, Chris Olave, James Jamison Williams who's going to, you know, be fully healthy this year. 2021 Jamar Chase, Jalen Wadden, Devante Smith were the first few off the board. Um, 2020 Jerry Judy, CD Lamb, Justin Jefferson. Like we have just, we've had such an influx of young wide receivers from the draft the last few years that it's kind of hard to keep up with that pace. This class to me doesn't have a true like top 10 receiver. But there's still good depth. There's still good players. I think I think you're going to see a run. I think in my in my um, mock draft between picks 20 and 27, like in an eight pick span, there were five pass catchers, three wide receivers, and two tight ends. I had, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba going. Um, I think it was number 10 overall, and he that was a little bit early just because based on the Titans' uh, need. Actually, I think it was let's see. It was 11 overall to Tennessee. It was because the Titans needed receiver. But bottom line, it's a good class in most years. But we've been really spoiled the last few years with these elite receivers coming in, not just coming in, you know, with a lot of hype and early early picks, but coming in and producing right away,
0: you know, having huge seasons. So, hey Todd, thanks for being here. Uh, question, kind of a double question here. I decide what does Stroud do better than Young, and is Stroud the safe pick or the best pick
4: <laughs> i think bryce young is the best pick i think stroud is probably the safer pick and it had like, i'm not worried about the height in ter- for bryce young in terms of seeing the field and, and being able to locate receivers and all that he has proven like drew Brees and, and many and, you know, several others that he can maneuver in the pocket and he can locate receivers down the field. He has no trouble seeing over offensive linemen and all that stuff. It's just about his durability. Mm-hmm. And he had the shoulder this year, which kind of, you know, they shut him down in practice for a few weeks and, and limited his throwing to try to help him, you know, recuperate. But other than that, he stayed healthy as a two-year starter at, at Alabama. But you project to a 17-game season in the NFL with those defensive linemen and, try, you know, Doing their, and I know their quarterbacks are protected now, but they're still taking beating. You look at Tua Tonga Valoa this past year and kind of getting ragdolled and thrown around. You just you worry about that a little bit. But but Tua doesn't have the mobility and the pocket presence and the feel for pressure, and even the mobility, like the the escapability that that Bryce Young does. You know I and I've talked about it, and Herbstreit's the one who brought it up, and I, I couldn't agree more. Like, I think, like, it's, watching Bryce Young is like watching Steph Curry in a basketball game. You know, the size just doesn't matter because it's, they're so different. Everything everything is so slow. And in, 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 in the way they process things so quickly and see the whole field or the whole court is so similar. And, and with Bryce, you get a player that can extend plays – and can create magic inside and outside the pocket. He had the highest QBR of all these quarterbacks outside the pocket because of his ability to, to feel pressure, where it's coming from, know when to bail, know which side to bail to, know how much time he has and and the the willingness and the toughness to to wait to the last second and and he'll he'll take the hit or he'll duck out of the hit right after he makes the throw. But to know exactly when it's the perfect timing, and when he has to bail on the play versus when he can hang in there and allow a receiver to get open. And you see so many of his great plays. It's like right before the defender's going to reach him. He maximized the amount of time that he could for the receiver to go get him to go get open. I should say. And, and then all of a sudden the ball's out in the flash and, and, the, and it's spotted perfectly on the receiver. So you get that with Bryce. Now, what, what, CJ does better; it's slightly better than than uh, Bryce, and you know there, there's a somewhat noticeable difference. He has a stronger arm, and inside the pocket, he's as good as there is in this class and the last couple of classes, in terms of just processing quickly, getting the ball out with anticipation, and being able to to layer throws on all three levels with exceptional ball placement. I mean, you've got CJ is the best pocket, pure pocket passer with a bigger build so on paper he's he's built to last longer in the nfl versus cj who who can extend and create and has this presence and field vision like no other in this class but the only thing i'm worried about with with um with bryce is can he hold up you know that's that really is it i mean if, if he was 6'2, 220 pounds there would be no conversation. Bryce Young would clearly be the number one quarterback in this class.
3: Hey, Todd, hope all is well and uh, appreciate your time for doing this. Um, So as for my question, um, the Lions uh, last year, we saw them get like tremendous value in the late rounds out of James Houston, who was like a six rounder, if I'm not mistaken, I think he went like 217th or something like that, uh, which um, again, that's tremendous value for the edge. So who do you think could be that player in this draft at that specific position on the edge um, for this year's class um, for whatever team, you know, that is looking for late round edge rushers?
4: Yeah, it's I mean, that's a good question. I, I, I don't I don't want to bore you with a bunch of names in the like late rounds, but I think like third, fourth round, there are some guys that, that could be really good values like Nick Herbig from Wisconsin, highly productive pass rusher. He's just undersized. And so where do you play him? Do you play him off the, off the ball linebacker and you, utilize him as an edge or blitzer on passing downs? Uh, but he's a guy who just knows how to get to the quarterback. Um, Yasir Abdullah from Louisville is another guy who's, who's an edge rusher that I think brings, brings a lot of value. Um, just looking down, uh, Carl Brooks, bowling green defensive end, I think he's a better player than most people think. I don't even think he was invited to combine, but, um, but Brooks is, is a player that I think has, has potential um nick hampton from appalachian state is another name fourth fifth round that, that could wind up being productive moro Ojo, ojomo the defensive end from texas so those are a few guys and, and then yaya diaby from louisville really productive this last year i like his traits i think i think he is probably a third round pick third fourth early fourth round could wind up being a, a, a steal in this year's draft too
1: You got some names there from Todd McShay. Uh, One thing, and I I feel like we've done a decent job of of outlining this, but uh, when your first pick is in the third round, man, and when you have a roster that certainly needs depth but is not seeking needing starters anywhere, uh, the idea of prognosticating what you're going to do is quite honestly absurd. Yeah,
2: it it, it is tough there. Like you said, 70-plus. 70-plus picks are going to be made before there. So you're going to go ahead and and you're going to do a lot of waiting. And you can go through – this is not one where – and maybe they will. I'm sure they're going to go through a bunch of simulations and whatnot, but – it's going to be a lot more difficult to do your simulations and figure out, you know, who could be there and whatnot, because it's just, there's such a variance, especially amongst the 32 teams after you get out of maybe the top 15 to 20 prospects. That's just the way that it is every single year. And so there could be somebody, the Browns have a second rate round grade on that's there for them in the third round. There could be nobody. So, We'll just have to, from the draft standpoint, the good news is we have a team that we could go play with and compete with right now. We're going to probably trade a lot of those picks into the future, uh, but we're also going to be able to, you know, go ahead and, and, you know, add some guys in. But like I said, for the most part, you know, the Browns are in a good spot. This is a team that is definitely ready to go compete right now and and a team that has, you know, its starting lineup. We'll see. It's going to be hard to make the 53 for these rookies. So you're in a pretty good spot. You don't need all those picks. But, yeah, this draft is going to be out hoping to find, you know, MJ Emerson, Perry on yep. Winfrey, Cade York. It types in the third, fourth, fifth round, and that's it. That's what yeah. it's going to be about.
1: Yep, that's exactly what it's going to be about. One of the teams that we thought a year ago at this time – based on what they did at the quarterback position, would be in position to draft a quarterback number one and would need to, is the Seattle Seahawks. They don't. They still could, but they don't need to. They did not tank far from it. In fact, their highest pick isn't even their own. It's the one they got from Denver. Uh, we will get into the Seahawks as we continue to look at every team around the league before the draft. That's coming up next. You're to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
0: Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet. Coming soon to Ohio on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland.
1: All right, welcome back here to Cleveland Browns Daily. Taking a look at the Seattle Seahawks today. They have two picks. In the first round of this year's NFL draft, most of us, certainly I thought, their first pick would be their own. They're picking fifth. It is not their own. It's from Denver, as that trade was one that they won pretty decisively. Uh, they are picking at five. They are picking at 20. They got an absolutely stunning, shocking season out of Geno Smith. They had a phenomenal draft last year absolutely star-studded phenomenal draft they have a chance to add to it they could go quarterback they could go in a lot of different ways and z they're also in a division that's become pretty attainable other than the 49ers at the top and even the 49ers are a team that they got to make sure they have a quarterback
2: no you're right the, the 49ers we don't know who's playing quarterback for them yet geno smith as you mentioned pro bowler last year 4,282 yards, 70% completions, 30 touchdowns, 11 picks, quarterback rating of 100.9. An incredible season for him. They rewarded him with a nice contract this offseason, so he is back with the, the team. They've got two excellent receivers in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Uh, and, and those two guys, both of them have the ability, you know, really to stretch the field. They both have the ability to make big plays. And both have the ability to be Pro Bowl type, thousand-plus yard uh, wide receivers. And so you've got all the kind of the elements that you need. Kenneth Walker last year was a thousand-yard running back for them. They've got him back, coming off of a thousand and fifty yards, nine touchdowns. I mentioned Metcalf, and I mentioned uh, Tyler Lockett. Lockett last year thousand thirty-three and nine. Metcalf thousand forty-eight and six. They also had a nice season as from our guy Marquise Goodwin, who is with us now. 387 and 4 from him. Noah Fant the Titan. They acquired 50 for 486 and 4. So it's a team with some talent on offense. You mentioned that in that division, they're obviously very much in the mix because it really feels like right now it's the Niners and then maybe the Seahawks. The Rams yep. certainly aren't there and neither are the Cardinals. So they feel like a playoff team. They have the ability to add a lot of talent to their roster in the draft, as you mentioned with those two first round picks so far this off season in terms of their moves. Uh, They beefed up the defense, all of their additions other than one guard center, Evan Brown on a one-year deal. They're all on the defense, two defensive tackles, Draymond Jones on a three-year deal. Jaron Reed back to Seattle on a two-year deal. They got Bobby Wagner and Devin Bush at linebackers, and they got a very good safety in Julian Love, who played for the Giants a year ago. Their losses, not really a ton. Cody Barton. Uh, The linebacker, he heads to Washington. They lost to their running backs, Penny and Homer, but Kenneth Walker, it's his show now. Uh, Jonathan Abram to New Orleans, Goodwin to us, Ryan Neal to Tampa, but they they addressed a lot of those things, and then as we said, they kept, you know, Geno Smith, who they thought was probably one of the most important things, and let some of their defensive tackles go, that's why they signed the other ones, but it's a team that I think is is pretty ready to compete, uh, and a team that... It's got weapons on offense. It's got a quarterback who played, like we said, at a very high level last year. The question is, what what can this defense be? But as you mentioned, a great draft last year uh, in terms of you know getting Tariq Wolin, who turned out to be you know probably the second best rookie corner uh, mm-hmm. in the league. So yeah, they're in, they're in a pretty good spot.
1: It's it's really interesting from their standpoint, because not only do they have uh, all as you're going two things jumped out as you're kind of going through the outline of it all. Number one, Bobby Wagner left there because he was going to go someplace where he could go contend for a championship. And now he's back. So that that part jumps out to you that they're for they're much closer along and it makes sense and it's home for him. So that makes all the sense of the world. The other thing is, as you were as you're going through this, I mean, my goodness, they're they got. Four starters out of the 2022 draft. Off a good team, Woolens in that one, of course. They got two offensive linemen, Charles Cross, the left tackle. Both their tackles, uh, uh both both drafted that year. Yep. Uh, Abraham Lucas as well in last year's draft, and then Walker, as you mentioned, four starters out of the 22 draft. That's incredible.
2: and Boye Mafe played in 17 games for him as well out of sure. Minnesota. The uh, the second round pick there, he had three sacks for him. So. It, it was a very good draft and that's one of the ways you can get good in a hurry with a good draft like that and a good draft class and now they have an opportunity you know with guys at the top to really kind of make a splash with the picks that they have at their disposal in this draft 520 they also have two seconds as well due to the second from the broncos that's so they go right. they go 520 37, 52 they have four of the top four 52 picks four of the picks.
1: top 52 picks yep man I definitely think they could go for Richardson at five. If, if the Colts go Levis, I could see them going Richardson at five and rolling the dice on a high ceiling thing there. They
2: could, or they could just continue to, like, load up, get just a they ton could. of talent around yeah. it and say, you know what? Geno Smith played well enough for us last year. Let's go get
1: him. Let's go yeah. do it. A lot of opportunity. This is It's a fun franchise. There's a lot to like here. Let's hit the categories uh, on Seattle. The uniforms, you keep them, you change them.
2: They were so cool for a time. I just think that time has gone. So I I would look for
1: a revamping of their uniforms. They are one of the few. They might be the only that went modern and it fit what they are and what the city is. Um, I think that their primary that they wear now are I'm still fine with them. I still think they look great. Yeah, I do. I do hope that they get the largent era ones as a one-off. I would love to see those. Yeah. Large the, Dave Craig, good Kurt s- Warner, the yeah. great silver with the Kelly green and blue. I, I'd love to see that back as a one-off. Um, I would be, I'm,
2: I want them to get rid of the highlighter ones. Yeah. I think those those, are, those are, are terrible. I think the grays are still good. I, yeah. I've always liked they're all gray uh, and the blues and the whites are both fine. I think that you could maybe tweak off of those, but yes, I agree with you have that throwback in that helmet. The Gotta gray helmet is with yeah. that Seahawk is, is so great. And they need to bring back the song, the Seahawk wave. It was a tremendous song.
1: Was yeah, yeah. My dad They've used got... to play
2: in a Pedro's in a, a Stratomatic league, and we were the Seahawks one year when I was a kid, and we had this like record. And I, when somebody would come over to our house when he was the home team, and they would play, uh, you know, and stuff, and I would I'd be there, and I had a little record player, and I'd play the
1: Seahawk wave whenever he
2: scored a touchdown. It was awesome.
1: You were you were always his biggest fan. Yeah. And all he did was try to put a yoke on you. He did put a yoke on me.
2: By the way, you'd be surprised to know how many people have not even heard the phrase like under his yoke or even knew what a yoke was. They didn't know what it was? Like you played the Oregon Trail.
4: Right.
1: (laughs) Come on. You've seen a yoke. You've seen a yoke. Yeah. You got to know what that is. Come on. Uh, Stadium. Elite or not? Elite. Elite.
2: Love it. Yeah. Yeah, Pelted by Skittles. That was pretty cool the way that those the way the sides go up the sound reverberates back down so it's loud awesome environment yeah very good stadium one of my favorite outdoor stadiums in the league
1: i was just going to say if you were doing stadiums without ceilings on them it's got to be tops or near the top yes of those they designed it perfectly um aside from the fact of of not putting a dome on it in seattle where it does rain a lot uh road trip to seattle you're not road tripping Unless you got an RV, you're going to be flying, is what you're going to be doing. Yeah, but um, absolutely. I love Seattle, though.
2: Great town, beautiful city. You know, if you do go there, yeah, I think, you know, you got to go to the market, mm-hmm. see them throw the fish around. Pike's Place, yeah. Yeah, Pike's Place. There's great food. I mean, Mount Rainier, I don't think people realize, like, Mount Rainier is right there. You can see this yes. beautiful mountain. Space Needle's cool. But it's just, it, it's, uh, I, lo- I love
1: Seattle. Great food. It's a major. I- wealthy metropolitan city. There are huge corp, the hugest corporations are there. Yeah. So what's with that is great restaurants and yep. all of the things that would, that would make those places stay there and those people stay there. So yeah. it's, I just think it's so far out there that people don't ever go. No, no. Which is what's sad about it. Cause it is an awesome city, by the way, Victor Havland is at seven under. Yeah. He's killing it. And he's playing with tiger. He's like 10 shots better than tiger. Yeah. Um, Uh, Must thing to do on the road trip. We went through that. Player on their current roster that you would want for us. DK
2: Metcalf. Can't have enough weapons. DK Metcalf. Yes, please. Gosh.
1: Deshaun just throwing those, run those goes and deep outs, those comebacks. I mean, I feel like
2: that's got to be,
1: that's the answer, isn't it? Yeah, that's absolutely the answer. Uh, All-time favorite Seahawk. Who do you got? probably
2: oh man it's an interesting one so i used to really despise richard sherman and then i came to like him but he wouldn't be my all-time favorite CEO. it's probably got to be from my youth i was a big steve largent guy like steve largent uh, i think that that probably is is the direction that i'd have to go
1: i um i have twice won a uh, a, a good decent amount of money playing fantasy football and one of them was with sean alexander
2: Oh, that's a great one! Yeah, you had the yeah. five touchdown Monday Nighter. Yeah, 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 yeah. He I was remember a that monster. Game. Yeah, I <laughs> love Sean a, Alexander. I had
1: him, and it was that was uh, rode him all the way.
2: I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, because he was a big part of my early fantasy career was Sean Alexander. I love that, and he doesn't get the like accolades today that he should. By the way, the other guy that we would consider taking, I think, is probably Quandre Diggs or Tariq Woolen. Yeah, to get a second year corner who's 6'5 and had six picks a year ago, that probably yep. doesn't hurt, but. Give me weapons baby. Give me DK. All of them. No, DK's yeah.
1: the game. That's that that's a that's such a a game changer putting somebody like that uh in this mix uh playoff team. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. They're a playoff team for sure. Yep. Uh biggest offseason addition, I think it's yet to come. Agreed. Draymond Jones is a nice one, but I think the draft is going to net them a lot.
2: Yeah, I think and for them you would say the biggest thing they did in this offseason, which not an addition, but it's a re- the return of Geno Smith was probably the biggest move that they made, and that's something which is wild. But seventy percent, man, thirty, the three to one touchdown to interception ratio—it's wild. He was, great. It, he was great. He was
1: great. He was—he was written off. Yeah, he didn't write back. Um, absolutely stunning, and they're—they—they they are very quickly went from a a year ago at this time. I thought, all right, you got a tank, you're going to blow it up. Who's all going to be there? Right away, they made smart decisions, great draft, and they're right back in the mix. They're a great, great organization. They really are. Yeah. And have and been it, for a long time.
2: And you heard though Richard Sherman said they almost lowballed Bobby Wagner to the point where it was disrespectful and he almost they almost blew him coming back, John Schneider did. But yeah, he's a savvy guy. Pete Carroll can coach and gets these guys fired up. It's a fun they're going to be a fun team. They're going yes. to be they will be a playoff team once again.
0: You know, lost yes.
2: in the first round, 41 to 23 to the Niners, but they will be. I think they will be back in the playoffs this year. And, and they have a chance to get, you know, add another pass rusher early in this one. And then mm-hmm. around 20, they could get another weapon if they're so inclined. They could take a shot at a quarterback at five and then get a defensive player in this deep defensive end draft at 20. They've got a lot of oppor- opportunities ahead of them.
1: They can be very nimble this season. Two second round picks. Yeah. They could end up to-
2: turning those into a first and, and draft three
1: guys in the first round. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, Mike Clay will join us at the top of the hour. Uh, He has his unit grades. They are out. That is coming up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
0: Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
1: When a medical mistake caused you injury, call the medical malpractice attorneys at 1-800-ELK-OHIO. Elk and Elk proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. And now, one of the interviews I most look forward to every offseason, it's with the great Mike Clay of ESPN, NFL analyst. He's joining us on the Twisted Tea Hotline, brought to you by Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea, official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted, Cleveland. Mike, thanks so much. Uh, the positional ratings, the unit grades. When you go into this, I, I, I like starting here with you. Is there a team that ended up by the time you were done, that was better than you thought they were from an overall talent standpoint and a team maybe that surprised you that maybe they were worth worse off than you perceived them to be.
3: Yeah. So, uh, first of all, appreciate you having me on. I think you like when I come on so much, cause I I'm usually positive about the Browns, right? <laughs> yeah, Which uh, you are, I'm, yes. I'm not sure if that's been a, I'm not sure if that's been a good thing or not, but, uh, you know, we're getting there. Slow progress over the, the past few years for, uh, for the Browns, but, uh, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, uh, I think there were uh, probably a few teams that, uh, that popped out. Um, you know, I think about a team like the Miami Dolphins, who, you know, I guess some people are going to be on that, that bandwagon, but, you know, a lot of attention in that division is on the Bills. But you look at the Miami defense, even before free agency, it looked pretty stacked. I mean, this is a team that, you know, was really good when Tua was healthy last year. And uh, if that defense, now with Vic Fangio running the show, I mean, they have talent at all levels. Uh, if that does turn into an elite unit and two is healthy, the, the Miami Dolphins are going to be a real contender in the AFC, top to bottom, one of the, the best rosters there. So I think that's a team that stands out from that direction. Uh, on the other hand, maybe uh, a team like uh, the 49ers. You know, they for me, they come out come out near the middle, uh, and there's two main reasons to that. First of all, the offensive line, uh, maybe check out that depth chart. You might think of it as a, a strong unit, if not so much. I have it ranked pretty low. Trent Williams is a superstar, but otherwise a lot of question marks there. Keep in mind, um, McGlinchey left, right? He's in Denver now. So that's a problem. And obviously, uncertainty of quarterback. You know, they might open the season yep. next year with uh, Trey Lance or uh, Sam Darnold could be starting for them until, until Brock Purdy gets healthy. And even when Brock Purdy gets healthy, I mean, you know, is he a sure thing? Uh, you know, he had, a, he had a small sample of some pretty good play there. Uh, But he's, you know, if he kind of came back to earth, I don't think anyone would be shocked by that. So they're a team that I have some concerns with. Mike, when you go through this exercise, how does it
2: feel when you're done with it to know that you got everything wrong about every team? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, look, I mean, based on your Twitter mentions, that's how that's what that's what it feels like. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I'm honest. I come out and tell people that I'm biased against their favorite team and I'm yep. biased against all 32 <laughs> teams. So it is, it is what it is.
2: All kidding aside, it's I think it's awesome that you do this. You got the Browns uh, ninth overall, seventh on offense, 13th on defense uh you know when you look at this team where do the strengths lie and then the one question that I think a lot of Browns fans have is how could you know the running backs be not the top because of Nick Chubb how much do you weigh so the people can understand your thought process an entire room and I would tell them anybody who's upset go look at where the Vikings wide receivers are ranked and they've got Justin Jefferson so how do you kind of weigh uh-huh. kind of your process there
3: yeah so uh, that was actually uh the this- one of the, the, the feedback, you know, I guess I got the the most was why are the Browns so low, right? And I have them it's more of an, an above average unit than an elite unit, uh, like they've been in years past. And the reason is pretty simple. I mean, Nick Chubb plays about half the snaps, right? So yep. he gets uh pretty, he gets a great grade. He's terrific. Now he doesn't do a lot in the passing game, and I keep that in mind. You know, that's that's a factor as well. He's obviously elite as a rusher, and that's factored in here. But also, uh, they don't have do they have their backup right now? I don't think Jerome Ford is necessarily a lock to be the two. And and if he is, he's barely played in the NFL. He's played just a handful of snaps last year. And then, you know, guys like John, uh, John Kelly, Nate McCrary, like these are not uh, guys you expect to go into a season and, and hand them a big time role. Now maybe Jerome Ford works out for them. It's possible, but that's far from a sure thing. The guy was a day three pick last year. So uh, they still have to figure that out. And if they get a solid number two back, then they'll move back up these rankings. But look, right now, Chubb is still a guy that's going to play 50 to 60% of the snaps, and I have to think about that other 40% because there are a lot of teams out there that have full-time backs or have multiple high-end running backs. So, uh, yep. you know, it's just, it's just a position where most of the league is happy right now. Uh, so most most people are kind of upset with where the running backs fall, but you need, you need really good players and you need depth to get a good grade there.
1: Mike, how did you evaluate Deshaun Watson?
3: Yeah, that, that it's a tricky one. It really uh-huh. is a tricky one. I have I have uh, the Browns quarterback situation ranked 11th, and obviously most of the grade is going to be the starter. Uh, he could, you know, that grade could should maybe be top three. Maybe it should be in the bottom third of the league based on what we saw last season. It's a hard one to figure out. Uh, he was a dominant presence dur- during his final seasons in Houston. Actually, led the NFL in passing yards that final full season uh, and then he obviously struggled last year, arguably a downgrade from Jacoby Brissett for a few weeks. He started to pick it up a little bit the last couple of weeks and had a good connection with David and Joku. So there's reason for optimism. I'm still buying into the pedigree there, which is why I have him uh, at 11th. I'm not, I'm not grading him just on, you know, six, six, seven games from last season. I still think there's hope that he can return to uh, being a superstar and, and honestly, but the team around him is pretty good, you know? So, uh, if he plays at a high level again, the Browns should be a, a playoff contender.
2: When you looked at, talk with Mike Clay from ESPN, follow him on Twitter, at Mike Clay NFL. when you looked at the Browns' wide receiving core uh, at 1-5, is that with Elijah Moore and Goodwin in there? And if not, how did that change it for you? And what do you think overall now of kind of the weapons that they've assembled with Cooper, Donovan, Peoples-Jones, Elijah Moore, Goodwin, et cetera?
3: Yeah, again, you know, I, I took a little heat for that one as well. But here's the thing, you know, a lot of teams have a really good number one receiver. If you go through the 32 teams, you're going to see like, okay, yeah, they have a one. You know, that's a guy I would qualify in any roster as a one. Yep. And and Cleveland fits there as well with Amari Cooper. After that, though, other teams have two number ones or a really good number two. Um, and it, it, I thought it was interesting that, that the fans were upset with this because they, they went from we really need to upgrade this position, right? Wide receiver—it's a huge need spot. We got why have they why haven't they gotten Brandon Cooks? Why haven't they gotten this guy? Where's a you know it's somebody, somebody, somebody get us anyone? Uh, and then they they get Elijah Moore, who struggled to see the field with the Jets, you know, and couldn't wait to get out of there, you know. And and then suddenly it's solved and it's a good unit. I, I don't think so. I don't think that's the case. Now, could Elijah Moore live up to his second-round pedigree and show you know show the flashes he had as a rookie? It's possible, but he did again he did have a falling out with the Jets. There's a reason they moved on from him after uh, basically a year and a half, right? They were ready to move on last year. So um, I don't think it's a finished product yet. Uh, can it turn into a really good one-two punch with Cooper or more and then you know, obviously Peoples-Jones has, has turned into a solid player? Absolutely. But, uh, again, there's a lot of teams that have certified stars or really good players locked into those top three roles. So I still think it's probably best graded as a, a little bit of a below-average unit.
1: Mike, you have the Browns offense overall 7th, uh, and then you have the defense 13th that gets you that ninth overall grade. Uh, you're low in the spots that – as an organization, you, certainly we know that we're vulnerable at, which is on the defensive front. You hope that it got a little bit better with what you did in free agency. But uh, outside of miles, I think it's very fair in terms of in terms of the number there. Um, I was a little bit surprised at the safety grade, maybe. What, can you uh, speak to that a little bit in terms of – because it felt like to us maybe that Delpit came on as the season went along. It was actually pretty dang good the last half of the season. Uh, what do you make of that safety room in Cleveland, which obviously you have a 1.3 out of, out of four?
3: yeah it's interesting so safety i feel like just a few years ago is a devalued position you know you saw guys like uh, trey boston for example just taking a one-year league minimum deal and there were so many uh intriguing free agent safeties just not getting much attention and suddenly that has changed safety become more valuable than ever i feel like there's teams actually trying to get three good ones because they want one to play in the box and be you know basically a, a strong safety or a an off-ball linebacker who can cover tight ends and just be versatile right we're seeing a move toward that so a lot of teams just have an extra you know a good third safety or a good depth or more proven commodities at that position so uh when that something like that happens if you don't have that depth or you don't have more proven players then then you end up a little bit lower in the grades and then you probably then you probably think so again this is essentially a ranking one to 32 and because mm-hmm. they don't uh, because the position's so strong they probably look a little worse in the grade than they are but also one Thornhill really up and down right he came out so strong as a rookie and then he really fell off and struggled to see the field and then bounced back a bit last year so um, I'm curious to see what we get out of him you know I do like Delta too uh, you know it, uh, like you said kind of came on last year it was a full-time player for them so it could potentially yep. be a good one two punts but Look, John Johnson was a guy that we thought was a superstar when he came to Cleveland, and that, that didn't work out. So I, you know, and he he played better with the Rams than Thornhill did with the Chiefs. So I wouldn't consider Thornhill a sure thing to be a, you know, a star player for this defense. When you kind of look at
2: the AFC, and obviously you have the Browns in a position to to make the playoffs in this conference. You know, what is it going to be? You know that you think ultimately separates this team. It's loaded. You like the Dolphins, obviously they have the quarterback question, but you think about Burrow with the Bengals, you think about Allen with the Bills, Herbert with the Chargers, Mahomes with the Chiefs, Russ now with Sean Payton and the Broncos. If Aaron Rodgers actually ever gets traded, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, Trevor Lawrence with the Jags, maybe Lamar Jackson with the Ravens, we don't know. But, I mean, that is an unbelievable group of quarterbacks. Would you say that this is kind of a, a – golden age of quarterbacks in the American football conference. And, and what do you think is going to
3: be the differentiator a, amongst these teams? Yeah, you, uh, you kind of said it, right? The AFC right now, it's stacked Cleveland. Uh, we might be talking about NFC championship hopes if they're in the NFC. It's totally the AFC. is so yeah. loaded. Uh, it makes it, it makes it really complicated. But uh, uh, you know, first of all, I think part of it is straight up, you know, health and luck, you know, uh, you know, we, I guess we talk about it a lot, but really not about really the importance of just getting lucky in the health department. If you hold up, you're probably going to make the playoffs and be competitive, and then you have teams that are really good that just can't stay healthy and everything, so, you know, the wheels fall off and, and and they're done for. So that's going to be a separator for some of these teams for sure. Um, and the other thing is the obvious one, which is which Deshaun Watson are we getting? Are we totally. getting the, the superstar, the pro bowler, the all-pro from Houston, or are we getting the guy we saw down the stretch last season? You know, if I had to put money on it, I would lean toward the former, right? We know we know how this how good this guy is with both his arms and his leg, and they continue to improve the situation around him. The offensive line is still elite. There's a lot of reasons for optimism. So if he's a guy we're talking about on the MVP long list or even short list, then the Browns are going to be a, a legit contender in the AFC.
1: Mike, let's take quarterback out of it because you said something on the importance that the league has put on safety that's changed a little bit. So take quarterback out of it. Of these unit rankings – which one cor- correlates most directly to success outside of quarterback? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So um, that's, that's one of the tricky parts of this is not every position is treated equally. Right. So if you look at the yeah. total grade, it's not like running back and quarterback at the same grade. And, and to your point, quarterback, obviously is graded the most, almost 30% of it. And I use a variety of measurements to figure that out, including salary, right. You know, where people throw their money, and where the owners throw their money uh, kind of should correlate with the importance of those positions. So, Next in line would actually be offensive line uh, for me. You know, part of that is that it's five players, but also obviously having a, a great offensive line is huge, and that's going to help the Browns grade here. And then uh, after that, you know, I'm looking at edge rusher and cornerback on the defensive side. Those are, you know, getting pressure obviously is huge, and, and being able to slow receivers is important, and, and wide receiver as well. Wide receiver is a big uh, percent of the grade as well. Yeah. So I, I would call those the key positions for sure. Yeah, I think that's a
2: falls in line with a lot of the general managers, right? you got to be able to throw it, and then on the defensive side, edge rushers, cornerbacks, now I guess safeties and, and interior pass rushers have come on, but you got to be able to stop them from throwing it, and that's kind of where the league is having. I have one question for you here. If the Ravens were to lose Lamar Jackson, and, and right now this is one of the more befuddling situations in the league, not only in the <laughs> sense that you know they haven't been able to work something out, and I understand the arguments on both sides, Lamar's side as well as the Ravens' side, but it feels to me like any team in the NFC should be running to get Lamar Jackson because to your point that you made earlier, you drop him on the Falcons, they're probably the favorites in the NFC South. what do you make of Lamar Jackson's situations number one? Number two, if he were to come off the Ravens, what happens to that team?
3: Ooh, they would plummet. Uh you know, we you just listed off the reason why, which is that the AFC is loaded with most of the the best quarterbacks in the nfl right so if you take lamar jackson away and put in who i mean who's the starter are are they trading for one of them early picks and starting a rookie and if they do that they're not going to contend in the AFC. you know rookie quarterbacks just it takes some time for them to develop usually it's year two we saw that with trevor lawrence obviously we've seen it with joe burrow and carson wentz i mean you can go player after player after player usually it's not till year two until they can kind of move the needle for their team uh, so they'll plummet in these rankings. In fact, I already have the Browns with a better roster, and that's with Lamar Jackson on the team. So yep. uh, I don't I don't think the Ravens are right now, as the roster is constructed, in position to make the playoffs, which is a weird thing to say, because, uh, you know, John Harbaugh is one of the best in the business, and, you know, he can take an average or below average team and get them contending. But uh, right now, I just don't know. They, they have some losses on defense, too. You know, the O-line's good, but they have some skill position concerns, and and the defense lost some players. They need to fill some void. So, uh, not super pumped about Baltimore right now, especially because of just how loaded the uh, the AFC is. And again, yeah, if Lamar leaves, they'll they'll sink pretty far down in the ranks.
2: And I notice you're not as high on the Steelers, so they're kind of middle of the pack overall, which isn't a bad thing. And they've got Mike Tomlin. They always find a way to have a winning record. What do you kind of make of that of this Steelers unit this year?
3: Yeah, and, again, I just mentioned year two quarterbacks, right? Well, there was only one quarterback selected in the first round last year. That was Kenny Pickett. Yep. And, you know, you look at you look at some advanced efficiency metrics last year. The Steelers' offense was probably better than you realize. They just settled for a lot of field goals. They had a hard time scoring uh, touchdowns. But, you know, I've been picking on them the last years because their offensive line being atrocious. They did make some upgrades there, so they're getting pointed in the right direction there. Yep more of a well-rounded offense coming together. And of course we know their defense is, is generally one of the best in the business. Business Also great coaching for Mike Tomlin. So yep. I think there's some reasons for optimism, but I do think as things stand right now, uh, still a lot of work to do for them. You know, I still think the Browns are better. Uh, Ravens are better as well. So uh, still some, some work to do there for the Steelers, but they're progressing the right direction.
1: Mike, great stuff. Thank you so much for your yeah, time. Thanks, Love man. having the conversation with you every year.
3: Oh, you got it, guys, anytime.
1: All right, that's Mike Clay, ESPN NFL analyst. You can follow him at Mike Clay NFL for more. Still, time to get your questions into uh, Uncle Z. He's got your mailbag for you at Nathan Zagura. We'll get those uh, coming for you. Still, so, so, so much more to come. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
0: Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
1: All right, welcome back into Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. The Masters underway. Day one at Augusta. Victor Hovland, seven under as he is uh, pacing the field. Xander Schauffele is three back as is John Rahm and Brooks Kepka. Both, all three of those guys are at four. Um, it's interesting. So much was about the Love PGA or the Live PGA stuff coming into it. I forget like who's live and who's not. Some of them I know, but a lot of these guys I can't remember who's with what. Like, is Hovland live or is he PGA? I have no idea. Capcom I don't
2: either. Dustin Johnson, right. Cam Smith, Phil. Right. Those are the ones, those are the I ones we I know. Yeah. Hovland, I don't know. Let's see. I'll, I'll look it up.
1: I'm not sure if 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 he is or not. i really. It's interesting how Augustine feel like just made a lot like of the European the guys evaporator. are. It would seem like Hovland would be someone that they would be interested in. Yeah, let me look. Um,
2: yeah, but he's on. He's on fire. Kepka's four under through four.
1: Yeah. Well, he's through nine.
2: No, he is not yet on live.
1: Okay. Kepka's on the back nine now. He's but he's refused to
2: rule out a move to the live golf. That was in February.
1: Yeah. I think Kepka was somebody, if you watched him yesterday in the par three, like he had a a kind of a feel to him of someone that was pretty serious about wanting to go win this. And he's one of the guys that there was some reporting last year that he was somebody that um, was maybe having regret. In going, not in the checks that cash, but just in the lack of competitiveness and the, um, the lack of stage.
2: I hear that. I feel like watching after watching the golf show on Netflix, it felt like he kind of had lost his confidence for a while. And that's why he went to live was to kind of be able to get that guaranteed money and take some of that pressure off. But he's been playing well, and I think he certainly is back. To you know obviously he's gonna I think he's gonna be in contention this week and four under is a pretty darn good number to start f through four holes for him
1: yeah he's um well he turned the corner bud he's at 10 he's at 10 yeah he's on 10 oh I'm sorry four under four under through the front front ten. yep yeah through 10 um yeah Scheffler and those guys are back uh along with the amateur that Bennett kid who's three under to, to get things started um but it's it's a lot of who's who it's there's not a whole lot of names here that are going to transcend golf fans, but golf fans. There's a lot of really bright young players that are on the top of this thing, and it's been uh, certainly been very fun to see uh, to see the beginning of it. Do you remember? I was thinking from an NFL. You remember when uh, Payne Stewart wore the NFL gear?
2: Yeah, of like with, the the team with that the was from that area. The knickers, yeah, of course, I do. And then he
1: would, and then Pro Set had like a card of him in the I gear that. Yeah, they had it. It was it was pretty good. But he would he would wear a different uh, NFL team for the whatever the the PGA Tour stop was uh, in that in that specific area. So I've I yeah. seen that from the NFL perspective about that. And uh, we have there's obviously a lot of people in the NFL in terms of ownership that are members at Augusta or can get on and play Augusta. Uh, Peyton Manning, yeah. Larry Fitz is a member at Augusta. Unbelievable. Larry Fitz got a pretty good resume. You wouldn't want you wouldn't mind having his uh, golf memberships. He's at Seminole too. Yeah. Seminole and Augusta. That's a pretty good golf. Loves it. Yeah. 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 Plays a ton. Buddy of mine has a, um, a mattress business out in, in the Phoenix area and is at the same club as, as Larry Fitz and, and plays with him quite a bit, which which, the best guy I can get it for you. I can't remember which one it was. I know it's in Mesa. I want to say it's in Mesa. Okay. Yeah. Is, is where it is. Um, all right, we will open up the mailbag coming up next. You're listening to Cleveland Browns daily brought to you by Valley bet coming soon to Ohio on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland.
0: Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
1: All right, welcome back into Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Brought to you by Ballybet. Uh, Time for a little mailbag Thursday edition of the program. Dr. Z, the administrator. All right,
2: this first one comes from
1: David Cahoon.
2: Or Cahoon, hope I pronounced that right. Do you think A.B. AB will trade back up into the draft? If so, what are some names that you would like to see him target? I I do think we have a lot of picks, so I do think it's possible that we would move back into the second round. Um, As far as targets go, I think if Ojolari at the edge position fell somewhere, they thought he was available. I think that if, you know, Downs from North Carolina, the receiver, somebody that maybe they'd be interested in, or if Hyatt from Tennessee fell, I think those are kind of guys that they could go make moves for.
1: I think the thing that you can, as a fan, rest assured. Now the execution is sometimes can change, but it, but I think you can be rest assured of this. They will, AB will exhaust all opportunities to improve this roster through bold strokes if bold strokes are available to be made. Yep. So when you say would they trade up, I mean they have eight picks. If if there was a way to move up into the second round and get a guy they really wanted, then yeah, a hundred percent they would.
2: Yep. All right, this one from Jersey Dog 17 Can we get an exclusive interview with the Mrs. Hoff, the great Annie Thomas, so we can have some insight into the Hoff's presenter? Maybe. Yes. Why not?
1: Love that. I would love that.
2: Great idea. Uh,
1: that's a fantastic. You hear that, Gibe? You
2: hear that, Gibe? They're on the Inca Trail right now. Machu Picchu. They,
1: they are on the Inca Inca Trail. That's true. It is true.
2: It's a, it's a, they're not done? or Was he texting you from it? He got, like, service for one second and was able to send out some texts and said that, just, that it's been tough and that it's been the most beautiful place that he's ever been, up above the clouds, and they're just loving it.
1: That's awesome. Very yeah. good. I, good old- she She is a f- – they do a podcast together, too, her and the hall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, very good.
2: She's a media star. All right. Um, and then here's one I just have to address because okay. – So. The great J.W. Johnson partner and, and, you know, senior vice president, executive vice president of the Browns was on and and mentioned something about a white to pay attention to. I was asked today on the really big show about white helmets, and I just said, stay tuned. And people are going nuts. Now, some people are very into it. Others are like, you can't change the helmet. Folks, from 1946 to 1951 in the All-American Conference, when the Browns first were a team, they wore white helmets. There is a white helmet
1: in the lineage of the Cleveland Browns. In fact, if you Google, I don't know if if for the kids out there, we had a quarterback here of some accomplishment named Otto Graham. That's right. If you go to the stadium, you will see a statue of him and, and his greatness. And he's one of the few guys you could maybe make an argument that had a more accomplished career than even Tom Brady. Um, if you, if you go and Google Otto Graham Browns, you will, I assure you, see a picture of him playing in, in fact, a white helmet. That's right. So
2: it is very much in the history of the Cleveland Browns, a white helmet. So let me just, let's say that. All right. We're about to get on a roll from, uh, Bobby Meckling here. Are you more? Oh, hold on. Before
1: we get to the Bobby roll, I know we got a bunch. There's a couple more I wanted. So here's one for you. Uh, this is in regard to the King. Uh, Jerry Lawler, who's a frequent guest and a legend in all in all ways, yes. Uh, love a dog today wants to know: Have you ever been in the King's Batmobile? Did you know no. the King had a Batmobile? Yes,
2: that I knew. No, I've never been in it. By the way, I'm glad the King is doing well, recovering yeah. from some scary health issues there, uh, and is, is doing well. So he was not able to be at WrestleMania this year, uh, but love the King. And yes, I am aware that he has a Batmobile and. That's why they say things – that's why the phrase, it's good to be the king, that's why that phrase exists for things like this.
1: Isn't he um, – it's it's the Adam West one, right? That's the old school Batmobile he has, I believe? I believe you're right, yeah. I think that's right. Um, same asker with this one. Uh, with the inevit- inevit- inevitability of an 18-game schedule, don't you think two bye weeks plus scheduling teams coming off of byes would make teams actually look forward to playing Thursday night games?
2: Maybe. Um, Yeah, I do think that, that eventually you will get to 18, and I do think that you will have a situation where, yes, you'll have the bye weeks, and then oftentimes you'll probably come off of a bye week onto a Thursday, which makes all the sense in the world, right?
1: It does. I, I think one thing that this probably comes from is when you were off on Monday— um, we were talking about the Thursday night games and Amazon's premium form and some of the stuff that Amazon was going to be demanding from a game quality standpoint with that, based on what they're paying. Yep. Um, and while I enjoy Thursday night football, especially when I was doing the coaches' show, because it was something that was just part of the routine and especially that pregame show, I did wonder if that would ever get to a point where a Monday night doubleheader would be better than a Thursday night game. Playing a Monday night game at 7 and 10, or six and nine would be—you would get more bang for your buck that way than the Thursday night. I don't know if you would or not, but I don't—I think the quality of play might be better if you did that.
2: Possibly, but I'll tell you what—I love Thursday night football. I love th- I know I, you do. I, I
1: do. I think it's because you still do the—you sh- do the coaches show, so it just bleeds right into it. I do the coaches show, then I come yeah. home.
2: It's, it's your usually routine. routine. Make some type of tacos. There's usually yeah. a nice margarita waiting for me, and then we get the first football game of the week, and I'm all about it. Yeah, and it, the, it used to be even part. better when we had the Hoff and Irv and Steve Smith yeah. and Colleen Wolf on their show.
1: Yes. Bring also, uh, one more from uh, from that one. What's your favorite candy?
2: I don't really have one. What I've been liking right now is every now and then before I go to bed, I'll have a, a little piece of a uh, dark chocolate bar that's got some almonds and uh, sea salt.
1: That's, but, that's like dark chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. In the in the old days, um, you'd be hard pressed to beat a frozen Snickers. Agreed. That's pretty damn good. Well, the Snickers um, ice
2: cream bar was then took that even to another level. It's
1: a whole other level on the ice cream bar. Um, I like the Kit Kat. I like a Twix. I like the, the the cookie crumble. Is a I win. Wasn't af-
2: I wasn't afraid of a Butterfinger either.
1: Only thing that's tricky with a Butterfinger is just it's hard to get it out of your teeth. Yeah, but nobody. But it's delicious. Finger. Delicious. Um, a whatchamacallit. call it? Is a real treat from the, if you want to go way back.
2: I used to would say if there was a time when I actually had a quote-unquote favorite candy, it was for sure a Cadbury cream egg.
1: Unbelievable choice. I never would have guessed that. I do not like those in any way. Oh, man, I love them. So, so I don't know. I just I associate it. it
2: with my, like, but I'm talking, this one, I was a kid. So, like, sugar, yeah, yeah, yeah. you were like, yeah, give me all the sugar. Even then. I liked it. I would get it at my uh, Nani's house, and I just love them. And I probably, I probably liked them also because they were once a year, you know. Yeah. Like Neither one of
1: us time. went with like the Skittles, gummy bears, that no, world. That's no, never been anything no, that I've been no. interested in, even as a Reese's kid. Reese's
2: peanut butter cup, especially the minis. The minis are just outrageously good.
1: I actually prefer the Pieces to the Reese's.
2: The Pieces were the greatest. The Pieces, I was a big Reese's better. Pieces guy.
1: Big, yeah. And they never get, the peanut butter was always right. They could never get the M M&M. and M. By the way, a peanut like a peanut M M&M and M is pretty undefeated too. That's it's great that's candy. Just, that's a fantastic yeah. candy. Yeah. yeah. All right, for sure. Um, all right, you got some Bobbies? All right, Meckling, the legend. Are you
2: more detail-oriented or more big picture? Big picture for me. I think I've got to be detail-oriented. I think it's just is kind of the nature of a lot of things that I do. I
0: well,
2: like to think it big will, pictures, but then drill down and be very detail-oriented.
1: You're very detail-oriented. Things. I mean, just watching you prepare to be in the booth with Jim, the details were incredible. So, uh, All right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's... I mean, you want to be both, but if I had to lean one way, then I would probably
2: lean big picture. And I'd probably lean details. All right. From Bobby, what's the worst TV show you've watched recently?
1: Well, I mean, I'm going to just – I'll change change it a little bit. Uh, The worst TV show that I've watched a lot of is Entourage. The worst TV show that I've watched recently – trying to think of one that like somebody said you got to watch this and then it didn't
2: take i'll give you a hot take while you're pont- pontificating Go ahead. the last season of yellowstone
1: yeah i still enjoyed it even though it was totally but it was terrible yeah yeah it was it was really really bad i'm trying to but in terms of something that i just watched once and was like yeah no i'm good that that rarely happens. that doesn't happen yeah that doesn't know No. Happen. No, that, the last season of Yellowstone was off the rails for sure. Yeah. Uh, but there still were enough enjoyable Course moments. It's great. Two or three scenes at, an hour that I was that kept bringing you back. It's um, great. But it's but objectively
2: yeah. it was.
1: It was bad. It was really, really bad. Don't tell
2: Drew. All right. Cats or dogs. Defend your stance. Dogs. Easy. I mean, the fact that somebody would have to defend that is crazy to me. And I'm allergic to cats and Same. I think that they're evil, and they will suck yep. the life out of your mouth. Everybody knows it.
1: They're the worst. Um, absolutely. Awful. I'm allergic to them. You can't, what's, Me too. You remember when we would always talk about uh, Baker and the receivers, and we'd always use trust? Yeah. You cannot trust a cat, man. No. You cannot trust a cat. There's a reason that when you like have a kid, if, for those of you who don't have kids yet, one of the things they will ask you as you're preparing for your first child is they'll say, do you have a cat? And the reason they ask you that is because a cat will kill your baby. Kill it. That's right.
2: It'll go right over that thing where it sucks his life out. You see the movie Stephen King. Check it out. No. Also, those things are the worst. I would say Dr. Evil would have been a much better villain
1: had he had a dog. I think that that was probably the most hateable thing about Dr. Evil is that he had Mr. Bigglesworth, Mr. Bigglesworth, that hairless cat. Yeah. What is (sighs) it?
2: Awful. Awful. All right. Uh, Do you believe in ghosts? No, I do. I think I do. Do you yep. believe in ghosts? I certainly believe in aliens. 100%. Yes,
1: for sure. Other life elsewhere, 100%. Yeah. Ghosts? Best, eh.
2: best Gibbe story that he wouldn't want you to tell. I think those would have to come from Gibbe because he subtly drops insane factoids and we don't even know the stories yet. I was detecting <laughs> that. That is going to have to once. come from him without
1: yeah. question. Also, the most embarrassing Gibbe things he's done on the air.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean like, he did Wednesday yep. night tape on night the air. I mean he it's fought. he fought for it. Tiger back to back birdies, by the way, one over. Let's, let's, let's go. go.
1: Let's go. Get to even, baby. Get to even, make the cut, play the weekend, let's go. Um No, I mean the Wednesday night taped is all time. For the new listeners, Gibbe vehemently,
2: stubbornly One hundred percent Emphatically Definitively emphatically,
1: yes. <laughs> was convinced Convinced. That Saturday Night Live was taped on Wednesday night. He
2: didn't really have an answer for how stuff would make it in the news that happened that day, that Saturday. But he said he didn't care. He knows for a fact it was taped on Wednesday.
1: Yes. And somewhere there, that exchange, whenever this this carnation of this program ends, that will be... (laughs) That's our crowning moment. That's the moment right there. Not not being a you know top ten podcast in the world on the on Odell the uh, Odell Beckham trade, uh, not the various things we've navigated, not Dick but Winters. oh my god, the that that's it. Wednesday that night was taped. it. Wednesday night taped. Yeah. That's the operation.
2: We should play that every now and then. Like we should just play that whole segment every. I'd now love and then. to. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Nick
1: saying Entourage is fantastic, one of the best shows ever. Nick, it sucks. I'm sorry. I love you. I love you, but you're not a serious person. In the words of Logan Roy,
2: I love you, but you're not a serious person. I love it. Uh, do you call someone to vent your anger or spend time alone thinking it through? Absolutely, I love to vent. Big venter. I enjoy the the venting, and I like being a sounding board to others' ventings. I think it's helpful.
1: Yeah, I um, I guess if the question is about do I do do I vent to the person who I'm angry at? No, no, no. of course not. I I still think I'm probably more of a alone contemplate. I never, I don't rarely get, I don't think I rarely get,
2: it takes a lot. If you have a grievance there, though, sometimes you call up a and you say, hey, what's the deal? That's what I think he's talking about. Yes.
1: Yes. That happens. You and I do that frequently. Mostly about giving. (laughs)
2: Wednesday night tape. What are you going to do? You got to. If you could have a lifetime supply of anything, what would it be?
1: Well, I think, You know certainly money money would be nice money
2: yeah it's just to take that off of the equation you and i could go have uh, you know our bighorn residence we could set up of we could do a lot of things yeah unlimited supply of money
1: yeah that's that solves a lot of the problems forrest gump one less thing to worry about one less thing to worry about that's all If, if you take that out and you take out like being practical you know where you would say something that costs you a lot that you have to buy all the time then what's that answer
2: all the, of wine food and wine
1: which one specifically probably that it would be pretty cool to have an endless supply of high high-end wine yeah that would be great. great wine Sure. Although you fine. can have a great bottle of wine, there's a lot of great bottles of wine. I can there get that, but like bucks. if
2: you think of what you spend the most money, like if all of a sudden I never had to spend another cent on groceries for the rest of my life, yeah, I feel like that would be the savings of that would be immense.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Groceries would be a pretty remarkable. Here's thing.
2: another one I wouldn't mind having: a lifetime supply of 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 free travel. Lifetime supply of private like, plane use. Private would plane be use. Incredible. Yeah. That, yeah, would, that be, would be yeah. that's free. Incredible. Yeah. I'm in on that. Yeah. 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 Um how like many close, maybe one more. How many close friends is ideal? I think you can have a handful of, of like truly close friends. I you could have a, a
1: a tight circle like that. You got the right number. Five? Yeah. That's the number. Somewhere around there. And then everybody else is close acquaintances. Yes. And then beyond then acquaintances. And all of that. You can't, I will say this. You can have too many close friends. Yes. That's real.
2: Yes. That's true. Uh, favorite quote from a wrestling promo. I used to love, uh, back in the day, The Rock was going to wrestle an I Quit match against Mankind. And he said... There's something about this situation that really befuddles the Rock, and I always thought that was hilarious. I don't know why it just tickled me. And then now, of course, recently I fall in love with, well, how about it?
1: How do you? How is the answer to this question for you anything other than champion's prerogative?
2: Champion's prerogative, oh, you're right,
1: yep. I mean, that's it. Hold
2: this bill. Oh, yeah. Nope, sorry. changed my mind. Champion's prerogative, yeah.
1: The boys still Bootsy still uses that all the time.
2: Because he should. It's unbelievable.
0: It, it's unbelievable.
2: It's great. By the way, this Champions guy says Wasn't the Stephen King movie about a little troll that sucked the life out of the girl and the cat saved her? No
1: way. I don't know. I, I have no point. I I can't I don't know about that. I was never a horror movie guy, so I, I didn't see any anything with cats saving kind people. Of a or trolls. Trolls or it's anything. It's called cat's or, eye, apparently. Cat's eye? no point of reference on that nick
2: i've never even heard of that movie i'm talking about crazy pet cemetery don't cats do terrible things in pet cemetery
1: you can't trust a cat man
2: no way i'm out anyway
1: yeah no no there's there's just there's no
2: movie about a crazy killer cat called uninvited
1: yeah no thanks there
2: it is goes on a killing spree exactly
1: (laughs) can't trust him no no chance so much more to come You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN
0: Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
1: All right, Masters leaderboard, Victor Hovland, your leader still. He is seven under. Xander Schauffele is at five. He's joined at five by Adam Scott, former champion with an eagle on 15. Uh, Johnny Rahm at five as well. And then Lowry, Kepka, Burns all at four um, as as they are going through this thing uh, at Augusta. A couple of birds for Tiger, so he's getting closer back to even. He's What's he at, one now? Yep, yep. let's go. Phil, Phil's out. He's two under right now. Mickelson is so there's a little little bit of juice there my friend uh, as well on that side of things yeah Um, all right we are off good leaderboard very very good Uh, we are off tomorrow due to the guards home opener so uh, happy Easter everybody go guards get it done keep it locked here on 850 ESPN Cleveland they're going to take care of you appropriately and get you set uh, for really one of the special days on the calendar here uh, in northeast Ohio the home opener Of the Guardian. So enjoy that. Have a great, happy holiday weekend. For those that participate, we will be back on Monday. The next level is coming up next. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
0: You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and 850 ESPN Cleveland.